It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 16th, 2021. My name is Philip Rossreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, find me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll replay our locker room chat from yesterday. So we'll talk about uh, a lot of things in the NBA, including the draft, including a little bit about how Wendell Carter's doing, and a whole lot more. Remember, you can join our locker room conversations every week. Um, I've not set a date for this week's locker room. It'll probably be on Friday, um, but we'll do this again and and just hang out and chat a little Magic Basketball. Um, So if you're ever interested in interacting directly with the show, this is the best way to do it. We'll get into all that coming up here in just a moment, but before you do any of that, I do want to remind you all you check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Toronto Raptors before tonight's game against the Toronto Raptors? Check out Locked On Raptors. Want to look ahead to Sunday's game against Houston Rockets? Check out Locked On Rockets. No matter who your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or College 2, there's a Locked On podcast for you. To search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. When we come back, we'll enter the locker room. I want to welcome everyone into our latest locker room here as uh, we're talking the day after the Orlando Magic pick up a win over the Chicago Bulls. I kind of recorded my podcast late on Wednesday, so I want to do a quick recap of what we saw against the Bulls and, and why I think that win was was really, really, really important. Um, obviously, the Magic played um, exactly how we want them to play. Uh, they played physical. They were into into the Bulls defensively, as Steve Clifford likes to say. They were getting deflections everywhere. Um, they played with high energy. And this is how the Magic need to play basketball. Um, there, there's a talent deficit here, no doubt about it. And the Bulls still took advantage of a lot of mistakes the Magic made. I wouldn't call the Magic's defensive effort perfect by any means. But like we said from the road trip, like energy is half the battle. If you play with a ton of energy, you're going to give yourself a chance. And with the defensive players the Magic have, certainly the ones sitting in their back pocket on the bench with torn ACLs. Um, if the Magic play with any kind of defensive energy, they're going to cause some havoc. They're going to make it very hard to score. They're going to force te- – they're going to speed teams up. I mean, I think one of the really exciting things that we're seeing uh, when the Magic play well um, is how much they're able to speed teams up and get into teams and be physical with teams. And I, and I think that's really exciting because, you know, we're, we've been used to over the last seven, eight years, Nikola Vucevic is a drop coverage center. That's, that's just the way it is. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's how you have to take it. That's how you have to use him defensively. Um, and so they gave up a lot of ground to cover up for Vucevic's lack of uh, uh, lateral mobility. Um, this team with Wendell Carter at center, 
uh, is not that kind of team. They can blitz a lot more on screens. They can mix up their pick and roll coverages. And, and I think we're really seeing that happen um, when this team is dialed in defensively, just how disruptive they can be. Now, there's still a lot to clean up. Um, I, I think a lot of, there's a lot of habits that have been established from previous teams, from even the Magic before the trade deadline, that they haven't quite broken yet. And, and, and honestly, give Steve Clifford a training camp, they, he will drill all that into, into them. So I'm not super worried about what the defense is going to look like next season because I think the Magic have a ton of defensive talent. Obviously, the other X factor in the win over the Bulls was the Magic shot the ball well. Um, that's, again, the other almost the other half of the battle um, is if the Magic shoot the ball well, they have a chance. And, and this is not a team that's got a ton of great shooters. James Ennis has been a great shooter all year. He had a great shooting game. Um, but Gary Harris hitting threes, uh, you know, the, the, the team getting a, a more balanced three-point effort is a big reason why the Magic were able to come in and win the game. Um, as always, um, if, if you can't hear me, please let me know. I think I think everything's working okay. So if you if y'all can't hear me, please 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 let me know. Um, uh, uh, and 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 actually, you know, Daniel Mortensen brings up a great point. Um, something I didn't mention in the podcast, and I tried to remember to do it. Dante Hall uh, had a great great game um, uh, as as uh, in his debut for the Magic. Um, sorry, I'm I'm typing here to make sure people can hear me because I'm never quite sure. Um, but uh, Dante Hall had a fantastic game um, for the Orlando Magic in his debut. And again, it, it's, it's just so much about energy. Um, energy is such a big, big part of the battle for the Orlando Magic. If they play with energy, they have a real chance to win games. They have a real chance to compete in games. Um, Dante Hall was a perfect example of that. He just came in and was just this huge bundle of energy. He blocked shots and ran the floor. And again, if you're a guy that's on the end of the bench, if you're a guy that's trying to make it into the league, that's where you have to start. So again, the di- big difference between uh, Wednesday's game and and the homestand is just the energy the Magic played with. They played like they really wanted to win. And again, when you have a talent deficit, you have to be first of the ball. You have to out-hustle the other team. That's why the Heart and Hustle team is so beloved and, and, and such a special such a special, special group that we still talk about, even though they finished 41 and 41 and missed the playoffs. Um, This team, this team, we want this team to be that team um, in in a lot of ways. I know a lot of people have said that they're not quite heart and hustle 2.0 because they have, you know, higher talented players, higher draft picks, but that's who they've got to be. They've got to be a team that really gets after people and really, you know, plays at a, at a, just a higher energy level that, that other teams can't match or are forced to match if they're going to, if they're going to win games. Um, the other thing, you know, and, and this is probably the most important thing um, a- after the loss of the Denver Nuggets, which was, you know, a loss that I was upset about um, just because you, you don't, I don't like seeing the team blow leads that big, um, even though they are fairly, uh, you know, not fairly, you know, you know, common occurrences in the NBA to blow leads that big, especially in Denver. Um, but um the frustration after that game from Steve Clifford was, was less about the lead that was lost and more about the way the team executed. He didn't care that they lost the lead. He cared that they were in a close game with five minutes to play uh, and they came out of a timeout and didn't know what they were running. You know, they drew something up on the huddle and they didn't know what they were running and, and they crumbled in the fourth quarter. That was really, I think, his bigger concern. And that's something that he's repeated over the course of the last uh, few games is, you know, we've got to get to a point where, we're learning something in the huddle. We're preparing something in the huddle, some adjustment, some, you know, some, some change. And we learn from our mistakes or we learn, you know, from watching, you know, him play around with the whiteboard uh, and go out there and execute. 
um, and go out there and make plays. Um, he wants to see that kind of growth. And, and I, I think even Steve Clifford has admitted that the Magic probably aren't going to win a lot of games this year. Um, I think that he's admitted that he knows there's a huge challenge and a huge talent deficit here. Um, but he still expects the team to be able to implement changes uh, within the course of the game. And he still expects the team to improve as the year goes on. You know, a big point that Steve Clifford has made is during these blowouts when they're losing games and they're down so big early, they don't learn anything. That doesn't help the player development to be down that big and to get blown out every single game. Every single game. It, it, it's not good for young players. It's not, the team just doesn't learn anything when they're not being put in pressure situations. And the key then is when you're put in pressure situations, do you improve from the last time? It's not necessarily that you win the game. It's that did you get better the next time you face that situation? Did you learn from the mistakes that you made previously? And I think what Clifford wants to make sure happens is they're in enough situations where they're making mistakes, but they're able to learn from those mistakes. That's why, you know, I know, you know, a lot of people were celebrating the win last night, which I think is fantastic. I'm, I'm very happy that people were celebrating the win because, you know, in these in this day and age, people don't always celebrate wins like that at the end of the season. A lot of it was because of the emotion tied to the game, playing Nikola Vucevic, Wendell Carter, you know, stepping up in the way that he did. Um, but what was really important about that game was, you know, the Magic lost a 22-point lead. You know, they were there. I think it was, what, a six-point game at one point, maybe five. Um, and they were able to hold on and win the game. Yes, it was veterans that helped hold, helped them hold on. Michael Carter Williams made, I, I think, the play of the day when he made that steal on the uh, off the off the pick and off the trap pick and roll off the inbounds, um, and and took it in for the dunk. That was a huge play, and that's a play that only a veteran's going to make. Cole Anthony, you know, wasn't going to make that play. Cole Anthony was really struggling to defend Zach Levine, um, and you could just you could just see that the Magic needed that sh- that shot of confidence. I mean. It is tough to lose a lot of games. You know, Wendell Carter kept repeating it. He wants to contribute to winning. That's his goal, to contribute to winning. Um, he believes, you know, again, and players, of course, are going to say this, they believe they can win games. I have no reason to, to, to question them on that. I, I'm glad they do believe they can win games. I hope they believe they, they believe they can win games. To be in this league, you got to have a little bit of an ego. you got to have a little bit of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of, of uh, uh, irrational belief. Um, and so I think that that, I think that what the Magic did did Wednesday night was really, really important for their development. And again, you just want to see them build on that. You know, when they get into another close game situation, they're going to be challenged in different ways. They're going to probably make mistakes in different ways, but you want them to learn from those mistakes. So if they're, you know, they're in a situation, you know, if Cole Anthony's in a situation where he's guarding a guy who's on fire like Zach Levine was, what's he going to do differently next time? So, okay, he's been put in a learning situation. Let's put him back in that situation again. Let's get up 15, 16 points again in the fourth quarter and see if that bench unit with Cole Anthony leading the way can hold on to the lead that time. That's the stuff that's important right now for the Orlando Magic, getting them into situations where they feel pressure, where they feel real pressure that the result matters and seeing how they respond. And then not just how they respond, how they learn from it the next time. That's, that's really the big key for the Orlando Magic the rest of the season. Um, I, I think Magic fans should be ecstatic about the win. Not only does it help the Magic's draft position with the Chicago Bulls pick, it was a great learning experience when, and well, yes, they lose a game on Detroit for best odds in the lottery. Um, there'll be plenty of losses along the way. Chicago is not a, a team that, you know, you're stealing a win from necessarily. Um, and again, and you help yourself in some respects too. Um, if you are new to locker room, this is sort of like a, a, a hangout room and a call in radio show. Um, you can make a speaker request and ask your question on, on air. Or, or you can leave a, uh, a line in the chat room down below. Um, if you're listening on Lockdown Magic, that's how locker rooms work. Um, 
Uh, we'll be doing this roughly once a week is, is my plan for the time being. That's, that's uh, what we're looking at here. Um, obviously it's been a strange week for the magic uh, we're, we're talking, talking after a win, but it was a rough, rough, rough homestand. This group has yet to win a home game. Be a little longer before they get back home again. They'll play, um, they'll play at uh, Toronto on Friday. They're home against Houston on Sunday, then at Atlanta on Tuesday, and then home to play the New Orleans Pelicans next Thursday. I will be at that game Thursday against the Pelicans. So going to be an interesting week for the Orlando Magic. Certainly the game against the Rockets is when the Tankathon people are going to be watching very, very carefully. Um, should be an interesting, should be a good shot, shot at a win, to be perfectly honest. I still expect the Magic to win games. Um, the Hawks obviously playing very, very well. It wasn't just that comeback that they had uh, back before the All-Star break that, that really felt like a backbreaker for the Orlando Magic um, way back when it happened. The Hawks playing extremely well. The Raptors are starting to come around a little bit. They've had some injury issues. Um, it's not clear if Fred Van Gleet's going to play on Friday. Um, he's coming off, uh, and uh, I believe, COVID protocols as well as uh, a, a, a league suspension that he was serving in, in their last game. Um, so Toronto will be an interesting challenge. They still play. Um, Toronto is a perfect example of the kind of team Orlando is trying to be. They play extremely hard, even when they don't. Even when they do have talent, even when they don't have their full talent, um, they they play extremely hard. Obviously, Ken Birch has really started to endear himself to Toronto fans. So Friday's game going to be a good challenge coming off of off of the game against the Bulls on Wednesday. Again, I, I don't know if the Magic traveled straight to Tampa or if they came back home and are planning to go to Tampa uh, Thursday night or Friday. I don't think they, they don't go over Friday morning. I think they do spend the night in Tampa. So um, I am curious if the Magic let their players uh, spend the day with their families and, and at home here in Orlando today before heading over to Tampa. Um, you know, one thing we are keeping an eye on, uh, one, one thing we are keeping an eye on, however, is uh, – Zach Levine, uh, he did play in last night's game, uh, has been put into the health and safety protocols. Uh, I'm sure the Magic will be undergoing their, their their regular testing, of course. The Magic have had only four games missed um, due to health and safety protocols this year, um, which I think, you know, I don't know if that's the lowest in the league, but it's pretty darn good how few games the Magic have actually missed to, uh, to, co- to health and safety protocols, considering all the other injuries they've had. Um, Mo Bamba missed, uh, missed the, the road trip uh, to Boston, that started in Boston. Um, back in January, I want to say January, early February. So Magic have been very good with health and safety protocols. I, I, I hope that continues. I hope that, uh, A, that Zach Levine isn't the one that, uh, isn't the one that uh, tested positive um, that required him to go into health and safety protocols. That would be uh, most ideal because um, I don't want anyone to get sick um, uh, or, or, or have to deal with the, the virus um, a- a- anymore. Um, but um, overall, uh, you know, something to keep an eye on. You know, we had the issue with the Mavericks earlier in the year when their, when their whole team seemed to, test positive and they had to shut down their facility the magic played them right before that happened luckily no one got sick then no one tested positive then as well um again if you have any questions or comments you want to leave you can go ahead and leave them in the chat down below or uh make a speaker request and we'll have you on the show as well i see some familiar faces in there including stephen cameron good friend of the show there um let's uh hear from daniel mortensen however daniel what's going on man hey phil how are you i'm doing good how are you doing well uh, I had one quick question as it pertains to moving forward into the off season. Do you think we see a couple consolidation trades just due to the fact that if we use both of the first round picks, ours and the bulls, we will have nine players who they have now chosen or traded for recently that are all in desperate need of minutes and 25 or younger. 
Yeah, uh, no, I, I definitely think I don't think the Magic are done. I don't think that this you know the Magic are gonna add two players and roll this roster over into next year. Um, I, I do suspect that um, I do suspect that Terrence Ross um, is very likely to be moved this offseason, just uh, almost as a favor to him in some respects, because this, this is not the team that he signed up to play for. Um, I don't think he's necessarily as effective on a team like this. And, and while the magic do need veterans and, and one of my big concerns about next year is how few veterans the magic will have. Um, I, I do think that, um, I do think that, that Ross probably needs to move on um, as well. So, you know, you know, whether the magic go with, you know, the, those young players, the magic, of course, you know, kind of focused on um, are Isaac Fultz, Cole, uh, Bomba, Carter, Hampton, their draft, their two draft picks, which brings you to eight players. Uh, I'm blanking. Did I say Fultz? I don't remember anymore. Um, but yeah, you're, you're looking at a pretty full rotation of guys who are under 25 and young players. Magic need to find some veterans somewhere. You know, I don't know what they do with James Ennis, who's, who's a free agent this summer. Um, I don't know what they do with Michael Carter Williams. I don't know what they do with Terrence Ross. Um, you know, I don't think they want to go into the season so young. Honestly, uh, there are a few uh, international prospects that, you know, I don't know what their status is um, in this draft, but that they might be options for the Magic to take at nine and kind of stash them overseas for, for a while while they settle some of this down. Um, but, yeah, some con- consolidation trades are definitely, uh, I think, in order. I know that um, Josh Robbins of The Athletic in, in a Q&A um, in, in his mailbag s- said he didn't believe the Magic would trade Mobamba. Um, I, I am less bullish on that. You know, I think that if, Car- you know, if Carter continues to play that way that he's playing, um, I think Magic could very well try and use Bomba and Ross to, you know, move that pick up in the draft, maybe, um, depending on how the draft shakes out, um, or, um, you know, use that use use that those kinds of assets to to make sure they get the player they want. I mean, I think that's kind of an underrated thing that that could happen in the draft process. Is yes, the Magic, you know, could end up with you know the fifth pick or the fourth pick or wherever, you know, but they could say you could they could go to the team that has a second or third pick and say, hey, you know, you're going to get the guy you want at four anyway. Let's make sure we get who we want. Let's make sure we go get the guy that we want, specifically target someone, trade that top pick or trade, you know, the ninth pick or whatever pick that Chicago pick ends up being along with a player like Ross, along with a player, you know, even a player like Bamba and make sure you get your guy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in the draft. You know, if you're going to stay at your pick, take the best player available. Whoever's number one on your board, take him. I'm also a big believer of especially if your team in the magic situation where you just have this blank slate and you just need to start and you're starting over anyway. I'm a big believer of if you have a player that you really like, if, if there's a guy that you're 100% sold and 100% certain, this is the guy to take, go get him. Um, you know, you go look at examples of that throughout the course of the NBA. Donovan Mitchell was not going to fall to where the Jazz were picking. They traded up to get him from Denver. Um, you know, you see it all the time where teams move up and da- move up in the draft to get their guy, even if it's an overplay to get their guy. Honestly, like I give the Magic a ton of credit. I think Chuma Okiki was their guy. Uh, they were willing to wait on him, and so they took him before anyone else was going to take him. I, I, I don't know if I believe necessarily that there are teams two, three spots below the Magic that were going to take him, but the Magic, the Magic clearly believe this is our guy. We don't care if we're going to have to wait for him. Let's take him. Um, and, and I think that that is a, that is the that should always be the draft strategy. Go get your guy. That's that really should be a draft strategy. That should be your draft strategy is if you know a take the best player available when you're on the board when you're on, when you're on the clock. But if there's a guy that you are just so certain uh, that is underrated, undervalued, or just is certain he is your guy, 
go stake your flag in him, go get him, do whatever, you know, do almost whatever it takes to get him. You know, obviously don't trade away like your superstar players. If that's, that's what it costs, but go get your guy. It is almost always worth it. If you're good at draft evaluation, which honestly, I think the magic are pretty good at draft evaluation. You know, again, look at the young players that they've drafted Johnson. I, you know, really Mo Bamba is the only one that's been questionable. Um, but I think you can also say that, well, he's had a lot of injury issues. They drafted him as a project anyway. The team kind of changed around him uh, and the way that they wanted to develop him. So, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I, 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 I grant them that. Um, I think that the Magic have kind of struggled a little bit toward the end, in the second round and valuing their second round picks. Um, but overall, draft stri- my draft strategy is always best player available when you're on the clock. If you have a guy that you really like, that you're, that you're willing to stake and gamble and put your future on, go get him. So, like, Again, if the Magic, if the Magic, you know, truly believe Cade Cunningham is far and away the best guy in the draft, which, which, which he is, um, and, and and they can get and they don't get the number one pick, and they can get him by trading Ross Bamba and nine or Ross Bamba and three, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Now that's kind of an extreme example, but let's say let's say the Magic have the fifth pick and they're they're at fifth and the ninth pick, and they want to move up to three to get Jalen Green. If it costs you the fifth and the ninth pick and, and Terrence Ross to get three and that's your guy and you're certain that's your guy, do it. I, I, I think, I think there is a way there, there's definitely a way to be aggressive on, on that, on that front. So um, that's, again, that's just kind of my, my philosophy on, on draft, on draft strategy, on draft night strategy. Um, you know, I, I do agree that sometimes magic have not been as aggressive on draft night. Um, you know, my, my understanding of Jeff Waltman is he tends to, kind of let things play out in front of him and, and, and pick his spots to go for things. Um, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of been my understanding of how Jeff Weltman and his front office operate. Um, obviously they've, they, they've done work. Um, you know, again, you look at, you know, I think there, there was all, there's this huge narrative over the last few years that Jeff Weltman and his front office didn't really do anything, but you know, when they do something, they do something, uh, you know, again, the Mark Hill fold straight, I don't think just fell into their lap. I think that they really worked to, to get that done and, and, and made sure that that opportunity was there for them. And that was a chance that they were willing to take, um, you know, again, it was a low risk, but it was one that they were, they were in on that, you know, you look at what the magic gave up, you know, Jonathan Simmons, um, you know, they, they didn't give up very, very much to get Markel Fultz. And that seemed to really work out. Um, even the trades that the magic had this year, um, the Evan Fournier trade, I think they kind of took what they could get. Um, uh, uh, they, they, they kind of, they kind of took what they could get. Uh, on that on that front, but you know, seventeen million dollar trade exception, I think, is going to be super valuable. That's going to be that's that's going to be something they're going to try and use probably on draft night. It, it, it would be my bet, if not, um, depending on where they are in the standings, that could be something that they use um, closer to the deadline as well. So I think I think that Magic did a really good job getting a valuable asset for a player that didn't have a lot a lot you know a huge market because of ex- his expiring contract. The Nikola Vucevic trade. Um, as much as it stinks to get to have to trade Nikola Vucevic, I've been fielding a lot of people asking, why did we trade Nikola Vucevic? Why did this deal happen? Um, you, they, I think they did a really good job. Wendell Carter certainly looks like a player. I think at the very least, he's a solid backup center, if not a you know bigger four, um, uh, you know, and, and potentially in some lineups. I'm still a little skeptical of him playing center just because of his size and his, his poor rebound and his relatively poor rebounding. But maybe those are something that he can continue to improve on. Um, he's still very, very young. Um, so they got a really nice young player who can clearly play in the NBA plus two, two future first round draft picks that look really, really good. Cause the bulls are struggling a ton right now. And they staked a huge piece of their future 
on this Nikola Vucevic, Zach Levine pairing working, and it is really struggling. Now, give him a training camp, give him give him an offseason to prepare, give him a, a chance to reshape the roster around them. I suspect the Bulls will trade Laurie Markin in the offseason um, because he just doesn't fit what they're trying to do uh, as much anymore, especially defensively. Um, and so I think that I think that the magic came out very, very well. And even the Aaron Gordon trade, um, you know, I I think that honestly, it's going to honestly, the Aaron Gordon trade is probably going to turn out to be the riskiest of the trades that the magic made um, because of uh, because you don't know what RJ Hampton is. So, you know, they're taking a roll in the dice a little bit on a young guy, which, you know, a team like the magic should be doing right now. Um, and Gary Harris obviously has just one year to kind of prove where he belongs in the league and whether he's going to stay with Orlando or move on to another team. So um, I think that, I think that the magic, I think Weltman, when he does make trades, he goes big and he does really, really well and, and does these really nuanced moves that, you know, maybe on their face don't look great, but you know, they're about building toward the future. And this team has always been kind of trying to walk two paths of winning now and rebuilding. And now they've kind of fully embraced the rebuilding part of it. Bill Bar is back and better than ever. The best protein bar on the market, or at least the best one that I've tried. I'm not a big protein bar guy, but I don't like protein bars typically, but Built Bar is something that I've made a regular part of my routine, both post-workout, for some energy in the middle of the day, whatever I need, Built Bar is usually there for me. And it comes in 18 amazing flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, and a whole lot more. And when I say these flavors, they taste like these things. It's like eating, it's like eating a cake, except it's in protein bar form. And it comes in hundred. It comes covered in hundred percent chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, so you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie. Many of them under hundred or less than hundred fifty calories. No sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for keto diets. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get fifteen percent off your next order. Use promo code LOCK15 for fifteen percent off at builtbar.com. Don't forget also to check out. The Locked On Today podcast. Get all the sports news you need in less than 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Daniel Mortensen asked, how do you think WGA fits next to Isaac? I was actually talking about this with some people earlier today. Um, when, uh, Like I said, Wendell Carter um, gives you the ability to defend in a way that the Magic haven't been able to really defend since Dwight Howard um, was around. Um, I think that... I think that um, the Magic will be able to blitz a lot more, and I think we're seeing them blitz and show a lot more. Uh, and really, I think the struggle the Magic have had defensively has been as much of how long do I show, how long do I blitz, and what does my backline rotation look like? Because um, the Magic, again, Nikola Vucevic 
essentially was always in drop coverage. The only time I think I ever saw him blitz a screen or hedge a screen is if it was a pick and roll toward the corner. Um, and that's just kind of a natural place to trap. Um, now we're seeing the Magic kind of blitz screens at the top of the key a little bit more uh, and just mix up their pick and roll coverage. And I think that's something that Steve Clifford really wanted to do. And he says it's necessary now to defend at a high level. So picture this, um, you know, Wendell Carter is blitzing a screen and roll. Jonathan Isaac sliding into the paint to defend the rim. That's kind of how we always wanted to use Jonathan Isaac, right? Um, you know, right now that guy sliding into the paint to defend the, to defend, to defend the paint is Terrence Ross. And Ross's defensive attention to detail, let's just say it's inconsistent at best. Um, you know, it's not that Ross is a terrible def- defender, um, but he is, he's not Jonathan Isaac. Um, if you try and run a pick and roll with Jonathan Isaac's man and Wendell Carter's man, they're going to eat you up. They're going to switch it, and Isaac's just going to blow it up. Um, it, it's, it's, it's the potential defensive pairing of Jonathan Isaac and Wendell Carter. I think, you know, Steve Clifford must be licking his chops and trying to figure out, like, how can I just unleash this on people? When can I unleash this on people? Hey, Jonathan, can you get in there now and unleash this on people? Um, he's probably not doing that last part. But nonetheless, um, nonetheless, uh, I, I do think that this has a ton of defensive potential. Again, my big concern, it's been something that I, I, I've been hammering home. I am still really concerned about the rebounding. Jonathan Isaac isn't a fantastic rebounder. Um, if the Magic do want to play kind of a fast-paced up-and-down game, which is what I think they need to get to, um, uh, part of that is getting rebounds. Secure re- securing rebounds first is the key to being any type of uh, rebounding team. And, and, you know, on top of all this, you know, we're not talking – we haven't even mentioned Chumo Kiki, who's a very good defender. Um, you know, if Markel Fultz is a, bi- is a big guy, is a big player, um, you know, again, his defense is – is okay with the potential to be good. Um, you know, so I think, I think there's still a lot, there's still a lot the magic can do. And so, yeah, um, you know, just overall, I think Carter and Isaac can be a monstrous defensive duo. Um, you know, just again, Isaac, uh, just having Isaac as a room protector behind you, that allows you to do so much more. Um, you know, the Madness magic team right now is just so undersized without a functioning power forward, without a Porter out, um, you know, playing, having to play James Ennis at power forward a lot. Um, it's, it's tough. The magic just did that. You know, we talked, we, we joked a long time about the magic's penchant for length right now. This is a small magic team. It's something I actually thought about earlier in the season, how small this magic team is. Um, the magic, the magic, you know, having versatile defenders like Okiki, like Isaac, like Carter, it's going to make them a lot more dangerous. Um, and you know, again, I, I, some things that I do worry about, some things I am curious about is how creative Clifford's going to get Um, you know, again, I've described Steve Clifford as a kind of foundation coach, um, as as uh, just a guy that does a really good job uh, covering the basics and getting teams to play um, at you know kind of at the basic levels that you need to play at to function and to win. He's not necessarily a creative coach. Like we we don't we never saw Gordon Isaac and Bamba playing together. Uh, some of that because Bamba just really wasn't ready to. Um, we don't see a lot of minutes where Isaac's at the five. Um, it, which is a lineup we certainly all want to see. And while, you know, some people have suggested to me that he should be a full-time five, it's been a few years since, since some people made that suggestion, to be fair. Um, but I think you can run Draymond Green-style t- lineups uh, with Isaac at the five. Um, the question, though, of course, is always, you know, do you have enough shooting to make that work, to spread the floor enough on that? And some of that is Isaac's got to become a better shooter. Some of that is Anthony's got to show that he's a better future, a better shooter. Um, there's There's a lot of things that have to happen for the Magic to kind of hit that level where they can, they can do all that stuff. But I, I do want to see Clifford get creative with, uh, with the way that he deploys some of these players, especially on the defensive end where they certainly have 
a, a ton, a ton of talent. Um, again, if you are in the locker room listening to this live, um, you can make a speaker request and chat with me directly, um, as well as um, leave, a, leave a question in the comments if you're too shy to speak on air. Uh, I'm here to answer your questions for about the next half hour, depending on how things go. Um, so feel free to jump in with your questions, with any comments that you have. Um, we've had some 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 people stop in stop in the locker room. We've got Mavs Draft in here, the host of Locked On NBA Draft. Um, if you're looking to get a leg up on the NBA Draft, I definitely su- suggest you subscribe to that podcast. Um, they do a great job covering the NBA Draft there. Um, you know, again, just just uh, not, uh, a lot going on in in the Magic world. Uh, as far as as everything else, um, just you know, get get through these games and, and obviously seeing what happens what happens next. Um, you know, again, so much of what we're watching right now with the Magic is about kind of growth and development uh, and and making sure guys are learning and 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 improving. Um, you know, again, I get I I I am firmly anti tanking. I don't think tanking works. I don't think it's a it's a feasible strategy. Um, I, I don't, I think that players should do their best to win. And what's really important when you have players like the magic have, who are so vital to next year is to make sure that these minutes are valuable to make sure that they're learning and growing in these minutes. And yes, that means sometimes rewarding them with a win uh, and, and striving to get a win. These guys want to win. You want players who want to win. Um, and so, you know, how many more wins are the magic going to get the rest of the season? Um, they, they, they play Houston on Sunday. So at least I would think at least one, um, they'll surprise some teams elsewhere too. Uh, as they play with, as if they play with energy and they play the way that they did Wednesday night, they'll catch some teams on bad nights, just like they just like they did on the West Coast trip. Um, but you kind of have to let those chips fall where they may. The goal right now for the Magic, the focus right now for the Magic, and the focus for me right now, honestly, is looking at this year's roster and seeing how can we make this team better. How can this team get better? How can this team grow? What growth are we seeing? Because it doesn't do anyone any good to just you know get beat by twenty five. And, and and most people who are pro tanking will say, no, no, no. I don't want the team to get blown out. I don't want the team to lose by 25 every night. I want close losses. And that's fine. Like, like I said, you know, close losses eat at me a little bit more because it's like, well, we could have done this, 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 and this better. Um, but like I said uh, earlier in the show, what's really important in those moments is that the Magic get some lessons from those losses, from those close losses. Uh, and then um, um, and then and then finding ways to improve and get better beyond that. Um, to, to learn to, to learn those lessons and so the next time they see those situations to grow and, and, and to and to get some positive results uh, from from that um, that's what I think we saw Wednesday night and that's why I think Wednesday night's win was so good aside from the emotion of playing Nikola Vucevic for the first time in a Bulls uniform against the Magic just his second time playing against the Magic he's actually 0-2 against the Magic in his career when he plays um, he, he only played one game his rookie year with the Philadelphia 76ers against the Magic so um you know, the Magic obviously have plenty of work to do. You know, again, one win is nice. Got to get a second win. And if you get a second win, then you have a win, winning streak. So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, Daniel Mortensen asked, any young distressed assets we could look for this offseason? Um, you know, I think the Magic did a good job picking one up in RJ Hampton. Um, Hampton just wasn't going to play in Denver. Denver was serious about winning, and, and they really don't have the time to develop young players who can't contribute immediately. So I think they they really did a good job picking up a player like that. Um, I've, I've expressed this concern numerous times. I am really concerned about how young the Magic are. I think that they are too young. 
Um, I wouldn't necessarily look at young distressed assets. I would be looking at, you know, I, I made this comparison the other day, the other, last week, I think. I'd be looking at kind of the Jeff Green level vets. Um, find a vet who needs a second chance somewhere or needs a like last chance somewhere. Um, and, you know, not, throw some money at him to, to get him to get him to convince him to play for a young team. Um, but someone who, who needs to play. Um, yeah, reclamation projects is, is kind of what is, is what Mavs draft suggests. Um, you know, Gary Harris is very much that kind of a veteran, to be perfectly honest. Um, he, you know, was starting for the Nuggets. It wasn't like he wasn't playing, but he needed kind of a fresh start with all the injuries, I think. And, 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 and he can be a valuable player. And, and I expect Gary Harris will be someone who plays a lot next season. And obviously he's in the contract year. He's got a lot. He's got a lot. He can work on a lot. He can still contribute to the team. Uh, to, to, to the team. Um, and I, I, I really do think that that Harris can be a player. I was really happy with how uh, Harris could play. Um, Mortensen suggests Millsap or Cantor. Those are the kind of players I would look at, um, but I wouldn't look at those players necessarily. Um, maybe a Cantor just, just, just to have another center. Um, but again, if you're keeping Bamba, uh, if you're keeping Bamba, um, you know, again, you got to have minutes for all these guys, which is, which is the tough part. I mean, I, I agree. Like, you're, you're looking at eight, nine guys under 25, all who need minutes, all who need uh, time on the floor. The Magic just – the Magic can't afford to, to like, have too many of these young players. Um, and, and, again, the rotation is just going to – it's hard to predict the rotation. I still think there are moves to be made in the offseason. Um, I don't think that this is the final roster. We'll see. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if some of the young guys get moved. Um, you know, I mean, I don't think the Magic would like to move any of these young guys. But it wouldn't surprise me if the right deal came along that that's something – that they would they would go for um you know again it's it's a it's a tough spot for the magic for sure um you know they've 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 collected all these young assets and so the question is how do we make the most of them how do we get as much as we can out of them both on the court and, and off the court in in, in trades and, and, and in values that will help our team get closer to winning a championship um so much of this puzzle to be perfectly honest um it, the way the way i describe the magic after the trade deadline um is is, you know, we, we have these puzzle pieces, but we don't have the box on the puzzle yet. And, and some of my discomfort with initially with what the Magic were doing was it's like, okay, this is great. We've got all these young pieces, but we don't know how they fit together yet because the picture on the box is hidden somewhere. And honestly, that picture on the box is the draft pick, is, is whatever team, whatever player the Magic take with their own draft pick this year. Um, is, are the Magic going to get a Cade Cunningham. Well, if you get Cade Cunningham, what does that do to the rest of the picture? What does that do to the rest of the team? Um, if you end up drafting an Evan Mobley, what does that do to the rest of the team? If it's Jalen Green, what do you do with the rest of the team? Um, that player, and I, I don't like putting all the pressure on one draft pick because I don't ever expect rookies to be good. Um, rookies struggle. Uh, you know, look at Cole Anthony. Um, you know, we just, uh, our Spencer Henderson just wrote a post on, on Cole Anthony earlier today. Um, you know, and, and I kind of helped out a little bit with some, re- some statistical research. And there's all these numbers from Cole Anthony that are like he is, you know, basketball index had him as like one of the best drivers in the league, best driver getting into the paint. Um, you know, just, just a really, you know, really good, really good player. Guy with even some three-point gravity still. But he doesn't make a lot of threes yet. He's not able to finish at the rim quite yet. Um, like his uh, adjusted field goal percentage is 1.7 percentage points slower than, than expected or, or something like that. Um, it's, it's a little bit below average um, for the league. Um, and then he's not very good at passing out of those, those double teams and out of into getting into the paint. 
So his driving rate, his ability to get into the paint, his potential assists off those are really, really high. And so that's a clue that, okay, there's something here. Like you, you don't need the numbers. Watch, if you watch Cole Anthony, you're like, okay, he gets in the paint a lot. He gets open threes. You like his stroke. You like his ability to sometimes finish around the basket. But the numbers all say he's not very good at these things yet. Well, some of that is he's just a rookie. And of course, he's coming back from a two-month absence, so you don't want to judge him too much. He played great in Wednesday's game. Um, you know, 10 points, five for seven field goal shooting, I believe. He played great in Wednesday's game. This is his best game since coming back from injury. Um, but again, you still see the areas where he needs to improve. But there's all these signs that like he can he can do this. He's just got to improve in those areas. And of course, that's what the offseason is going to be for. It's hard to improve on those areas, especially in season with all the restrictions the players are under as far as how much they can they can practice. Um so to say that, then, I don't like putting all the pressure on a rookie. I don't ever expect rookies to be good players. They, they can show flashes of, good, of being good. Um, you can say, like, okay, that, you know, like, again, your John Morants, your LaMelo Balls, you know, those guys are rare um, that, that just make immediate impacts. Like Kevin Durant, you go, go look at Kevin Durant's rookie year. He put up numbers, like 20-some-odd points per game, but – he shot really poorly. He was not a good shooter at all. Um, and so I think, you know, again, this is, this is just, this is just where I come from. I just don't expect rookies to get, you know, whatever you get from a rookie, in my opinion is bonus. <laughs> um, you know, you expect a little baseline, maybe like replacement level stuff. Um, but I, I don't ever expect much from rookies, um, especially the much that's going to significantly change the league. But Certainly it can happen. Certainly you do get those special players that do change your franchise immediately. And, you know, maybe one of these guys are. Maybe one of these guys in this draft are those kinds of players. Um, but you have to, you have, but whoever that draft pick is, again, not to put all the pressure on them, they become centerpieces of this team. They become guys that the Magic are going to go through those growing pains with because they believe in their talent and believe that going through those growing pains now is going to make them better in the future and then figuring out how to accentuate the skills that they see that they have from practice, from training camp, from the season. That's the trick. That's the growth. That's the development that's going to come. And, you know, again, I think the magic will do a good job keeping a balanced lineup, not putting too much pressure on that pressure on them. They'll have Jonathan Isaac, who they'll trust to score a little bit. They'll have Wendell Carter, who they trust to do a lot of things. They'll have some of these, these guys. Um, they'll have some of these guys that can help this team grow in significant ways. But, uh, but you know, again, so much of the puzzle is that draft pick. Um, you know, again, that's why that's why people want the Magic to tank. That's why people want the Magic to do poor. You know, to, to lose a lot of games so that um, so that we can uh, so so that so that they can get that kind of a player that really can become a centerpiece of the franchise. Um, again, long way out for all these, you know, I, I will do plenty of draft coverage when we get closer to the end of the season. And especially after the season, before we get to the lottery, it's, it's, you know, you know, I, unless, unless you're like Mavs draft and you're covering the entire draft, if you're covering going team specific, I don't want to put all my eggs into studying those top five guys um, as good as they are, because the magic might end up drafting seventh magic might end up drafting eighth. Um, you might have seven and nine, you know, you just, you just don't know. Um, so you do have to be able to do everyone, do, do everyone get to everyone. Uh, you have to be able to plan for everyone. Um, so that's why Locked On NBA Draft is such a valuable resource. Um, they, do, they do a really good job with, with uh, their draft coverage there, and I definitely suggest listening to them. To get a little bit more on the draft, I'll be diving a lot deeper in the draft after the season ends.
Let's take a break, though, to tell you a little bit more about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, but the NBA, NHL, and MLB are now in full swing. The playoffs right around the corner. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Don't forget, if you didn't hear just now before the break, check out the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with draft experts, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts and full coverage of the post-March Madness world four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked on NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You know, again, the the, the problem with this part of the season for the bad teams is you tend to see a lot of the same things repeating. Um, we know this magic team is going to struggle with their shot. We know this, this magic team will have issues with organization. Um, we just want to see that get better. And again, that's why Wednesday was so encouraging the team, you know, put, put their foot down, played with a ton of energy, looked pretty well organized offensively, did a lot of really good things, still plenty of things to grow from and, and improve. Um, uh, but, uh, but a lot to get to um, DJ Nev asks, how are you guys enjoying Wendell? Um, you know, I think, I think the magic love Wendell Carter. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we haven't had the chance to really get to know him so much again, some of that because of the COVID protocols and, and fans not being completely interacting with the team. Um, some of that being, you know, again, that the team really struggled when they were at home last week, but you know, Wendell, Wendell, again, like I've said, I think can help really transform this team's defense on um, the magic are able to do a lot more things defensively than, a lot more things defensively than they were with Nikola Vucevic. Um, a lot of that, you know, because of Wendell's ability to just kind of def- defend really, really well. Um, you know, again, he is a little undersized, and I think that does limit him a little bit, especially on the glass. But he's really physical, and I love how he takes he takes contact. I love how he dishes out contact. I love how physical he can play. Uh, and really just with Wendell, what I'm seeing is he, he needs confidence instilled in him. And I think that was part of the problem in Chicago. I mean, someone, if there's, if there's Bulls fans in here, please correct me if I'm wrong. It felt like the coaches in Chicago kind of, kind of beat his confidence out of him a little bit. And he played a lot, really unsure of himself. Orlando seems to be letting him just play. Uh, and, and sometimes Wendell needs a kick in the butt to say, Hey, go get yours, go get your own. And when he does that, I think the magic are a significantly better team. Um, you know, you look at the early part of the San Antonio game when Wendell scored those seven points right off the bat, um, he was aggressive driving to the basket. Um, it, it's, it, it, it's, it was, it was all just super impressive from Wendell. And, 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 you know, one thing that I think their magic are doing more of now that they have Wendell is they're doing more rim running. Um, you know, Vooch was not a rim runner. He was not someone who could, you could throw lobs to the magic are throwing lobs to Wendell Carter. And, and I think that's, that's again, an added bonus to the game. It's not, again, it's not that, you know, 
Carter's better than Vucevic or anything like that. Um, but, but, um, but Carter gives the Magic a little bit more versatility. Um, let's hear from DJ Nev here. Uh, DJ, how's it going, man? You're on mute, buddy. Oh, hi. How's it going? How's it going? I'm a Bulls fan, so that's why I was like curious about Wendell. No, no worries. But I, I've been, I don't know if you guys talked about him much today, but I just popped in. But I just want to just hear how the magic of uh, uh, how they feel about him. And I also want to talk about our experience as a Bulls fan with him. It was very up and down and frustrating. I mean, he, he came with a lot of uh, promise and praise and coming from Duke. And he had this passing ability that we've never seen. And he's always hurt. He was always hurt. And I just never really felt that he got uh, got into a rhythm because he always was in and out the lineup. He was always undersized. He claimed he wanted to play the power forward at one point in time and shoot threes and stuff, but he could never make the threes. He, he, he wasn't really – he was like an old-school throwback guy, more so than like a new, a new age face-to-basket face kind of player. And I, I don't know. He just never really – got going in Chicago, but now that I see him in Orlando, he's putting up pretty solid numbers. So I'm really like, where was this when he was with us? He would have probably stayed here. So it's it's really, it's really like shocking to see. (laughs) Yeah, that was, I mean, and that was like kind of like my perception of him from Chicago too, was this, that, A, there were a lot of injuries, but I, you know, I knew he had a solid defensive reputation. Um, But even when I looked at the numbers, it's like, it wasn't that it wasn't matching the reputation that I was seeing. And, you know, there are all these stories, of course, and and you would be able to, to speak on this more than I would, of yeah. how, you know, Jim Boylan kind of beat the confidence out of him. You know, he was like afraid to shoot. I remember reading at one point, um, you know, so correct, correct, jump in and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. That's that's correct. I, I, Boylan was uh, definitely didn't like that. The fact that he wanted to, to do more like the three point shooting, because the, the, the comparison coming in was uh, Al Horford uh, mm-hmm. for, for Wendell Carter and. I, we never seen that as Bulls fans. We never seen that. I, I, I don't even know how to compare. I see maybe as like an Elton Brand or something like that, somewhere along those lines. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good, compar- good comparison, especially because Brand was sort of an undersized, undersized four, you know, even for his age. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, I think that, that was, that was my perception of him. You know, I think, I think a, you know, coming into, you know, a, for young players, especially the environment they go into is so important. Um, you know, if Magic fans are, kind of getting the same deal with Aaron Gordon in Denver right now. Everyone's like marveling over how good Aaron Gordon is. And Magic fans are just kind of sitting here as like, well, well, yeah, we would have loved to play Aaron Gordon like this. This is how we all wanted Aaron Gordon to play. The problem is our best player was Nikola Vucevic, not Nikola Jokic. Our second best player was Evan Forney, not Jamal Murray. We needed Aaron Gordon to be much more than he was. Um, right. And, and you know, like, like Wendell Carter, um, you know, there were a lot, there's a lot of coaching changes in Aaron Gordon's early part of his career. I mean, how many, like Carter's had what, three, four coaches in his three years in the NBA? Yeah. Around that. We had, we had Hoiberg, uh, Boylan, Boylan and Donovan and Donovan. Yeah. So those, those yeah, are the so three. when you, I mean, three years into his NBA career, he's had three different coaches. Um, that instability is really rough for young players. Even ones that are, that are coming into the league, you know, seemingly with, with some polish like Carter is, um, you know, Aaron Gordon, for you know, I'll, I'll bring the Aaron Gordon example in because this is what magic fans know. Aaron Gordon, I think had four coaches in his first three years um, between uh, Jacques Vaughn, James Borrego, Scott Skiles, and Frank Vogel, um, you know, four coaches in his first four, first three years. Um, and especially for a player like Gordon, which, which who isn't very well-defined, um, they kept changing his role around, and he couldn't settle into the player that he wanted to be. There was no kind of unifying vision for who he was trying to be. And, and Gordon was, you know, much more, you know, unmolded clay than Wendell Carter is. Wendell Carter has, 
you know, I remember in, in the draft process, I was kind of down on Wendell Carter for the Magic because the Magic needed just so much more um, than, than, than that. But I was like, you know, Wendell Carter is kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. He can do a lot of things good, but maybe nothing really, really well. Right, um, and, right, exactly. and, and, and again, like that for uh, maybe for a team like the Bulls, you know, again, I don't remember what the Bulls were like back then, but maybe that's what they needed. Maybe that's that's what they needed. It's just someone who could just be solid, contribute and help them win kind of quickly, um, especially, you know, because they had what Lord, I think they had Laurie Markin at that time already. Laurie Markin, um, yes, yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember Zach Levine was on the team yet, team yet, but um, he, he, he's but, been on the team for a while, but Zach hasn't really emerged to the players just until recently, yeah. but he's maybe was recovering from the ACL. So he wasn't really the same gotcha. as he is gotcha. right now. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, situation matters for young players a lot. I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, you know, young players that they're put in the wrong situation or drafted by Sacramento. Um, just really, really <laughs> struggle. That's, that was, that was a dig. Tyrese Halliburton has been very, very good for Sacramento there. They, they might've figured, they might've figured something out, but, um, uh, but that was, that was, that was a pot shot. Um, but, um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, you know, I think, I think Wendell has kind of gotten back, you know, a lot of these players, when they are in situations that are bad, getting to a new place really helps them just kind of hit the reset button. Um, Steve Clifford, you know, his, he says this whenever new players come in, you don't really know a player until you coach them. Um, and so obviously he, I don't think he came in with any like preconceived notions for how to use Wendell. They started running a lot of the same – they still run a lot of the same stuff they ran with Vooch. Um, so you see Carter working in the high post a lot. Right. Um, you know, he's not, maybe not making the passes or popping out to the three-point line because that's not where he's comfortable. Um, but they're still running a lot of those kind of dribble handoff plays, a lot of screen and rolls, a lot of kind of working from the high post. And, and Carter, you know, th- I don't think there's been any kind of restrictions on Carter. Now, obviously, the Magic are a team where, you know, would they like to go on a run and make the playoffs? You know, players, the players on the team sure would. Um, but I don't think they – I think they know that that's not necessarily realistic. realistic. Um, so there's a lot more freedom to kind of just play and, and, and be you. And, and as Clifford's learned Carter more, um, I think that he's, he's tried to implement that in a little bit more. Um, the big thing for me with Wendell Carter is that confidence piece. Um, yes. He's got to know – he's got to, A, have confidence issue. Um, you know, I, I've told people, you know, I think Wendell Carter is – where Nikola Vucevic was maybe three or four years ago with this three-point shot, um, where their coach is telling him, hey, you can go ahead and shoot the three. We trust you to, We trust you shoot the three, but Vucevic wasn't quite comfortable enough to do it in games yet, and so maybe do it once, maybe twice, um, but it wasn't. He'd still you know, prefer to pop out to 18, 20 feet rather than all the way out to three-point line. Um, slowly, though, he got out there. So, I mean, obviously, you, you, saw, him last, you saw him last night. Nikola Vucevic is, is a really good three-point shooter. Yeah, he's um, good. He's good. He's good. I, I, mean, I like his game. He's a little – I'm going to be honest. I, I like the tough, toughness kind of player style. I don't like the soft kind of NBA, but he, he's a little kind of soft in some ways, but he's skilled, so he's very yeah, skilled. So yeah, I know this guy. And, 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 and I like the way, the way I've always – I mean, Nikola Vucevic has his defensive weaknesses. Um, I, I, yes. I don't think there's any denying that. Um, you know, I, I've, I spend most, most of this podcast saying – you know, one of the things that I really like about Wendell Carter is the Magic can now mix up their pick and roll coverages. With Vucevic, he's got to be in drop coverage. And, you know, I, I often describe Nikola Vucevic as um, he's got to be in a defensive rhythm. Um, you know, kind of like there's a shooting rhythm. He's going to, he has stretches where he's really locked in defensively, sets a good line on his drop, and, and teams don't get past him and does a really good job, you know, using his hands to kind of deny people from getting in the lane. But if he's off on that rhythm, uh, he gets burned and he gets beat really badly. Um, you know, the guards, 
like Damian Lillard, like De'Aaron Fox, like even John, you know, John Wall when he was healthy, those guards that can get downhill right at him and eat up his space very quickly, they really give him problems. Um, and so you are, you know, as good as, as good as skilled as Vucevic is. And, you know, I don't think he's necessarily a, a soft player, but he isn't, but being physical for him isn't his natural setting. He has to kind of really focus to be physical and he's better when he is physical, but it isn't his, it isn't his default, um, so to speak. Um, but he can be a really good defensive player, but he is still very, very limited. And so he certainly, you know, kind of the gamble that the Magic were always making before he really hit it big was, can you get more out of Nikola Vucevic's offensively than you give up defense? On defense, yeah. Um, and and until and really until um, until um, Steve Clifford came around, the Magic weren't doing that. Um, you know, a lot of us thought Vucevic was out the door um, before he became an All Star. Um, before Clifford got mm-hmm. here, Clifford Steve Clifford was really the first coach to figure out how to make Nikola Vucevic a good defender. Um, you know, again, it was it was such a it was such a big such a huge thing for the mat for the magic just to, to, to defend because they, they couldn't figure out how to pair with Nikola Vucevic. I mean, we would say all the time, you know, if Nikola Vucevic had a rim protecting four like Serge Ibaka, he'd be great. Then they got Serge Ibaka and they still weren't good defensively. So we were like, well, now what do you do? <laughs> um, but Vucevic's understanding of defensive positioning has gotten a lot better. Um, but again, he's going to, he's going to be in drop coverage a lot because that's just, that's just the only way to protect him. And, and he can't just, he can't get out on the perimeter and defend guys laterally so again your guards have to be on top of their screens um he'll communicate well i mean he's a good communicator but the guards have to do a, much, a really good job getting over and around screens and recovering so that Vooch can get back to his man in the post because he's not he's not protecting the rim he's not going to come out of nowhere and block shots right I, I i noticed i know that his defense is a weakness and it was i accepted that when we inherited him but my my issue though with Carter still is this that was his strong suit and I felt he was lacking that he he got really uh, abused in the paint by bigger bigger centers but I'm seeing highlights now of him play and he's playing a lot tougher and stronger than I remember him playing now he's bullying other people so I'm like where was this Carter when he was on the Bulls because he I mean, probably would have stayed on the it, team it sounds it sounds really simple um, but energy and effort. Is, is half the battle in the NBA, especially in a long season. You're not going to have the same energy and focus every game, but the teams that play high energy are the ones that that have a chance to be surprising and win. I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder are a perfect example of this. Um, no one expected them to be any good. Everyone predicted that they'd be the worst team in the league. They play hard every single night. Like Toronto is like this. They play hard every single night, and they may not be able to beat you. They may not have the talent to beat you, but because they play with so much effort and energy, they're in every game. And that, again, that, 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 gets, that gets you to the door. Whether it gets you through the door is another question, but it gets you to the door. Um, and so that's, that's, such a, that's such a huge thing. And honestly, like the way the Magic played Wednesday night, they, played with, they, they, they were low energy during their homestand the last four or five games. Against the Bulls on Wednesday, they played with a ton of energy. And, and the Bulls, I don't think, could really match that energy consistently throughout the course of the game. I'm sure they had that game circled. Wendell and oh, I'm sure they did. Michael, Michael Car- Carter Williams had that game circled, so they they was a, they was saving the energy for that game. I, I am I am <laughs> sure I'm sure I'm sure they were. But you know, again to your point, you know, I'm so I, I a lot of the a lot of the things that you note about Carter, I definitely see. Um, I think that Carter does a really good job absorbing contact, but he loses but and, and kind of pushing back against it, but it causes him to lose his positioning and his re- I mean, honestly like. I think we in Orlando took Nikola Vucevic's rebounding for granted. Um, this year, he has a de- had a defensive rebound rate around thirty percent, 
which means he's grabbing essentially three of every 10 defensive rebounds um, that he can get, which is really, really good for centers. Yeah. Wendell Carter, uh, since joining the Magic, um, at least entering last night's game, I didn't check after last night's last Wednesday's game because he had a really good rebounding game then. Um, he was around 19.5%, 19.6%, somewhere in there. Um, so that, you know, to, to me, the biggest thing, Wendell, the two things Wendell Carter has to really improve on um, if he wants to be a starting center in the league, because um, I agree, I think right now he's he's probably either a backup a backup five um, long term or a big four. Um, yeah. To me, the things he has to improve on are his three point shot. Um, you know, again, he's at his early stages of that. Um, you know, he's probably just now got the green light to shoot again. Um, uh, but the other thing he has to really improve on is he has to become a better rebounder um, if he wants to be a starting center. In the league. Um, he, you just you just cannot survive with a starting center that is grabbing only 20% of the defensive rebounds available to him. That is correct. I, I, I think, like you said earlier with Carter's confidence, he, he, I seen two in the highlights. He's, shoot, he's, he's popping up and shooting a jumper with no hesitation. I know in the Bulls, he would never even look at the basket or even hes- or he would hesitate to shoot the jumper. So I notice now he's more like direct when he shoots. And I even see maybe even his free throw form has improved some since he left the Bulls. I know free throw was a little uh, up and down with him too as a Bull, but I'm, I'm just, I, I just see a different player. I, I'm seeing a player that I wanted him to be when he was on the Bulls. Not he's on the, the, the magic. He's becoming that. He's slightly becoming that player. So I'm, I'm like, kind of like intrigued. Like what what's the, the, the turnoff switch? Like, cause I, I also heard he was a little uh, false with his uh, work habits. Maybe he'll show like, you know, if you, when you're watching him, he's working hard. But when you're not watching, he's not working as hard. So there was kind of that that speculation going on with, uh, amongst the Bulls uh, organization about Wendell Carter's uh, work ethic, uh, like his 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 true work ethic. Work ethic. I know him him and Donovan got into it a couple of times. So I wonder now, maybe now he got traded. He's like, well, I'm I gotta you know get my act together and start you know playing at a different level. So I'm out the league. Being 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 in, a, in the off season before contract year probably will not hurt with the motivation. Um, yeah. No, I mean that's that's definitely something to watch because you know Carter Carter has the talent. I mean we're seeing in Orlando there are definitely flashes of it in Chicago. He has the talent to be a really good player in this league. Um, the question is, is he going to get there? Is he going to have the opportunity to get there? Um, you know, I think the Magic the Magic gave him a new opportunity. Um, no doubt about it. The Magic yeah. gave him uh, a chance that you know again. Maybe he wasn't getting in Chicago. Maybe he had squandered that that chance in Chicago. Maybe you know just perceptions had been built up, and there's no getting past them. Um, but but that that'll be the I think that'll be the big question for Carter in, in his career is okay. You know now you've got the chance. Now you've now you've shown what you can do. How do you get better? How do you really make your mark in this league? How do you make your mark on this team now for the Magic? That's a completely blank slate. Um, you know. We've talked about here in Orlando about the potential of drafting Evan Mobley, even though they have Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba already on the Draft roster. Him. It's it is it is not set in stone that Wendell Carter is the starting center for this team. Draft him. I, I think Wendell needs a, a veteran a big man to help uh, show him how to become the player he needs to become. I think that's what he didn't really have that in Chicago, that leadership. So yeah. that from a from a big man perspective. So I, I definitely hope that you guys you know, find somebody maybe that he, to take him under his wing because he was kind of the, the elder statement to, to a couple of rookies we had coming after him. But given the things that and I heard that's about tough, Wendell, And that's tough for a 21-year-old. Like, 21-year-olds right. don't know anything. <laughs> right, right. And no I, matter, no matter how long not, they've been working at something, 21-year-olds know nothing. 
Right. And I, I think that's what he needs. He needs that leadership from an older statesman to show him. Because I think he does have all the talents, all the abilities. He's a smart kid. You know, he's still super young. He's athletic. He just has to just find his, his – his, I always said he had to find something that he's really good at and, and just become great at it because he's not really good at anything. He's just um, great at anything. He's good at some – he's good at a few things, but he's not great at nothing. He just finds something he can just yep. own and then just maybe become, like, really known for this one thing. I, we always felt when he was drafted, he was, his defense was going to be his calling card, but that kind of slipped a little bit. So he doesn't really have that one thing that defines him as a player. But I hope that he finds it in Orlando. I, I know they give him, you know, more open range. There's less uh, pressure on him going to a, maybe a smaller, a smallest town to play versus a big city like Chicago, sure. where the the, the 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 lights are more brighter. So maybe that might be better for him. He maybe might be more comfortable in that in that situation than in Chicago. And the, and the I mean, and certainly in that that respect, the Magic have you know a pretty good recent track history of doing that. You know, Markel Fultz coming to Orlando really getting getting a fresh start for him and, and playing really, really well in, in an environment that let him kind of grow at his own pace. Um, you know, there you know, there there is no pressure right now in Orlando to do anything immediately. I mean, would the Magic like to make the playoffs this year? You know, sure, that's not gonna happen though. Um would the Magic like to make the playoffs next year? Sure. But if it doesn't, um, you know, as long as young players like Wendell are growing, um, I think the Magic will be will be pretty happy with the progress that they're making. And, and then they'll aim at, you know, trying to have a team that's capable of making the postseason again in, in 2023 would be, would be my bet. But, um, you know, again, the Eastern Conference is the Eastern Conference who, who the hell knows um, what, what'll, what'll <laughs> happen at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. It is just, it, 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 the playing tournament has had its intended effect. You know, the Magic are sitting at what, four and a half games back of the Bulls for the play-in tournament um, with 17 to go. Um, Wendell Carter said with a straight face last night, our goal is to make the playoffs and, you know, it's the Eastern Conference. Maybe they can't. I, I wish you guys the best, especially Wendell Carter, you know, ex-Bull. Hopefully, you know, he finds his way and he, he becomes the player that we all thought he would become when he was drafted seventh overall. So, I, But I thank you for for allowing me on here and just talking about uh, Wendell Carter. Good, good luck to him and you guys, all right? No, no problem, no problem, DJ. Have have, good, have a good time in Chicago. That's my that's my second home out, out there. I went, right. went to school up there. So, so Chicago, Chicago, Chicago is my home. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Shout out to Chicago. I'm not from Chicago. I'm actually in New oh. York, but. But I love okay, I'm a Bulls, big time Bulls fan. But thank, but thank you for New York, having New York straight too. <laughs> thank you so much. No, no, no problem. Thanks, thanks, DJ, for giving us uh, your perspective there on um, on uh, on Wendell. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I think one of the first things that I did after the trade was reach out to Matt Peck of Locked On Bulls and get his take on Wendell Carter. You can go back and listen to those to his thoughts um, back in our archives on Locked On Magic. Um, that was on the trade deadline day. So I think it was called an emergency trade deadline podcast. I, I don't, I don't exactly remember. Um, well, we are over an hour here on, on this locker room. Um, you know, things have been thinning out. I hope that that conversation was, was good. If you have any last questions or speaker requests, please let me know. Um, I think we do have a speaker request real fast. Uh, let's hear from Aaron Okiki. Uh, Aaron, how you doing, man? Aaron, you there? Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. What's up? Yeah, I'm good. I'm a fan from England, man. Big fan. I listen awesome. to you every day. Awesome. And I love the avatar, by the way. This is the way. <laughs> um, yeah, with me being obviously here, the time difference is a bit... So I don't really get to watch a lot of Magic sure. games. But from I, from what I've seen, like I just wanted to get this out. Like RJ Hampton, I'm not too... I don't know what we're we doing with him. Cole Anthony, I'm not sold on him. For me, out of the three of them, I go with Markel as like our point guard for the future. 
the other two, I'm not too sold on them. But again, I don't really get to watch that many games. So I just wanted to see what you guys think about that. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think I do think that the Magic's point guard position isn't as settled as some people think. Um, you know, I do think when Markel Fultz comes back from his injury, he'll be penciled in as a starter, or you know, after he gets his reacclimation period, will be penciled in as the starter. Um, you know, Cole Anthony, I think, has shown some flashes, but I think he's also displayed some of the struggles that he had uh, during his freshman year at North Carolina, when you know he went from a guy who many people considered to be a top five pick, if not one of the top three picks in, in this draft class to a guy that the magic took at 15 and we're happy to take at 15. Um, you know, he's still got a ton of talent and obviously the injury has slowed him down considerably. He was really just finding his groove. You know, the magic had to throw him into the deep end a bit as the starter with all the injuries that they were facing. Um, but he, he really found his groove um, right before that injury. I think he was shooting in his last 10 games before the, before the injury against Portland, um, he was shooting fifty percent from beyond, or shooting forty percent from beyond the arc, or something like that. So he was he was starting to really find his shot again, and now he's obviously kind of starting from scratch. And I think these last seventeen games are really going to be about kind of get, trying to get him back to that level where he's you know scoring eleven points per game on decent efficiency. Um, but you know, I, I agree. You know, I'm not sold that Cole Anthony is the future at point guard. Um, I honestly think that one thing the Magic might be trying to do and experiment a little bit with is having multiple ball handlers on the floor. Um, so you have uh, a, um, uh, a Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony out on, the, out on the floor at the same time, or Cole Anthony, R.J. Hampton. You know, we'll see that Cole Anthony, R.J. Hampton lineup a little bit more, I think, as the season goes on. You know, right now the Magic trying to kind of reintegrate Gary Harris into the lineup because he can be an important player for the team moving forward. I honestly think Cole Anthony, um, from what I've seen so far, might be better as kind of that Fred Van Vliet-style shooting guard where he's – you know, able to shoot more spot up jumpers, able to shoot more off, you know, off the move or catching the ball as a secondary playmaker rather than the organizing point guard uh, on the team. Um, you know, I think that he struggled a little bit with that part, but he's a young guy. He's a rookie. You know, all rookies kind of struggle yeah. with that, with that part of the picture. And, you know, RJ Hampton right now, I think he's, he's just a bundle of potential. You know, you, you just don't know what he is yet. Um, the Magic are being very careful with him. They're not playing him at point guard. They're playing him almost exclusively at shooting guard. Um, and so his minutes, you know, he's kind of been the young guy that's had his minutes squeezed a little bit so far um, th- so far this year. Um, I think that will change as the, as the season gets closer to the end. I think that he'll play a lot more, and the Magic will try and figure out what they have. Um, he's got to continue working to improve his jumper. He's certainly eager to shoot, um, but his speed um, is... You know, he's one of the fastest players the Magic have had probably since, you know, Ish Smith, um, you know, back in the rebuild days. But they haven't had much guys that can get end-to-end as quick as R.J. Hampton. So really, for him, it's just about developing skills. And, you know, one thing I, I say a lot about R.J. Hampton from my early observations of him is the game just needs to slow down for him. He, You know, he's just moving way too fast. But you're right. There's questions about all three players. You know, Mark Hilfold still, you know, obviously coming off a torn ACL. So, you know, he's going to spend the first year of his three-year extension getting back to full health. Um, and then it's going to be a contract year for him with a team option on that third year. So he's got to really show that he can improve that jumper and be a consistent starting point guard. And this league, he had one really good year. He's got to have a second because it's, you know, about building up that consistency. And of course, you know, you look at this year's draft, it's a, there's a lot of really good point guards. You know, if the magic draft number one, they're taking Cade Cunningham and Cade Cunningham is, you know, probably a Penny Hardaway style point guard in this league where, you know, and, and Penny Hardaway style point guards are what point guards are, you know, minus the size in this league right now. Um, I, I, you want him on the ball. You want him kind of navigating the offense. I think he can play off the ball, and I think you can put him in two-point guard lineups, but he should be your initiator and your ball handler. Jalen Suggs is kind of the same way, you know, maybe less of a point guard than Cade Cunningham, 
but someone who can be a, a an on a kind of a secondary playmaker, you know, part-time point guard, you know, really good score on, on top of that. And so, you know, you're looking at some really good point guards and I don't think the magic should be precluded from taking a point guard because they have these young guys in the draft. Um, you know, like I said earlier in the, in the, in the, in the locker room, when you're on the clock, you take the best player available. You don't ask questions. Take the best guy on the board, and you can figure out the positional fits later. And especially if the guy is that high in the draft, you take the best player you can, and everyone else is kind of expendable if that's the guy you really believe in. So I don't think the Magic's point guard position is settled. You know, I think they really like Markel Fultz. I think they want to give him every chance to win to get that to keep that job. But if he doesn't work out, you know, I think the Magic certainly have some flexibility with some other options. But, you know, they're not overly committed to any of these guys to say, you know, we we need to make sh- we need to make sure these guys play or these guys need to be a part of our future. Um, you know, for sure, I think for sure, I think that that any of these guys could be could be moved even as soon as this offseason. All right. That's cool. Thanks, man. No uh, problem. Appreciate it. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. That, that, was a good, that was a good question, man. Um, I don't know if you heard as well. I think you got a shout on the Brian Windhorse's um I, Kevin, 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 weeks, yeah. Kevin Clark, um, who who I, I I know know a little bit, and and his his wife actually was someone I went to school with. Um, gave oh, me a wow. shout out on the low post uh, the other the other day, the, uh, a couple okay. of weeks back. So um, it's good to know that I sometimes say smart things. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. At least it wasn't for my singing. Um, but I do want to I do want to uh, say thank you all again for coming on in the locker room and chatting with me for the last hour or so. Um, thank you to everyone who, who made a speaker request and had the courage to speak uh, on air. Thanks to everyone who left a comment. I appreciate all of you. Um, I love interacting with my listeners, with my followers, with my readers. Um, it is one of the best things about this position that I'm in and, and the work that I do is getting to hear directly from Magic fans and getting to hear what you all are thinking. And, you know, yes, sometimes getting debates with you, but share our love for this team. So I really do appreciate all of you. Um, you can, of course, check out this a replay of this episode on Locked on Magic on Friday. Um, I'll probably be posting it overnight. Uh, I've been doing an afternoon schedule a little bit here lately to try and catch up on some sleep, but um, I'll probably get this one up tonight as well. Um, so if you missed anything, if you missed this, or if you're listening to this on replay and you're in the and you're curious about locker room, we'll be doing another one of these again sometime next week, probably on Friday, um, since the Magic will play on Thursday, and I'll be at the Amway Center to watch the Magic play the Pelicans next week. So that's going to do it for me here. I want to thank you again for listening to today's today's episode of Locked on Magic as well as being in this locker room chat. Um, you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places on the podcast to your podcast enabled listening device. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Mike. We'll see you all again next time inside the locker room and on Locked on Magic. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you again next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.